Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. In John chapter 17, we read the prayer of Jesus, what he prays for you and for me, for those who will believe on him, not only in that moment when he walked upon the earth, but for all of those who would come later who would believe because of their words. And in verse 7, he says this in his prayer to the Father. Now they, speaking of his followers, have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all of mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. John chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. Jesus said that nothing that he did was of him. But all was done by the Father through him. Not even his words were his own, but that which he sought the Father for did he speak, and that alone. Therefore, in this was the Father glorified, when God's plan and will was fully manifested for the good and teaching and correcting and redemption of all who would believe and receive of it. For after all, as the word says, unless God builds the house, he who builds will labor in vain. And unless God guards the city, he that watches will watch in vain. For the works of God will stand and will withstand the fiery trials that come to test it. But the works of men's hands will fail them and amount to nothing. In the end, the work that God did through Jesus still stands today after 2,000 years of trial and persecution. While the work of the Pharisees who opposed him while seeking the attention and accolades of men was gone within only a few short years. My friend, God does not fail. His words do not return void. If what you have built has come to naught, then it's time to stop, repent, and humbly surrender to him and his will, because his will will always win. After all, he is our Jehovah Nissi, our banner and victory. Jesus continues by saying that in the same way, that he did the Father's will, and the Father was glorified in him as he did, would Jesus also be glorified through the followers who were given unto him? When we do what Jesus says as the head of the church and the body, then do his plans, and by proxy God's through him, manifest in victorious demonstrations of God's majesty in the earth. Yet will this only happen for his glory and not for yours? You take credit 
for what he alone has done, and the Holy Spirit will have no part in it. He will be grieved and depart from it. He will pull away, and the enemy will rush in and tear down that which you have put your hands and will to. So be oh so cautious and ever vigilant of this. You can do nothing good, but only by the Holy Spirit through you when you humble, yield, and submit to it. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will only ever speak of, give glory to, and focus men on Jesus. Therefore, the moment that you speak boastfully of, give glory to, or turn men's focus to you, the Holy Spirit will have nothing more to do with it. It counters his purpose and work in the earth, which is solely to glorify Jesus. So why does it seem that some who do this still move in the power of the Holy Spirit? Because there is a counterfeit. The Antichrist spirit moves in signs and lying wonders. Even the magicians of Egypt moved in counterfeits of the works that God did through Moses to an extent. But alas, their work did not last. They all met their limit, and eventually their destructive end in wrath and fiery judgment. They are swallowed up in victory by the true power and authority that they are seeking to mimic in order to get men's worship and attention. Just like Janice and Jamber's snake was swallowed up by the staff, the rod of authority in the hand of Moses. And eventually they themselves were swallowed up by the ground as they continued to try to draw men to their side in pride when the line was drawn and Moses spoke for God and said, those who are on God's side, come and stand with me. You see, my friend, there is a pit and those will be cast in according to scripture that are full of pride and selfishness and haughtiness and boastfulness. The vain man, the one who is cruel and hard and stubborn, and selfish because everyone will be humbled at the judgment my friend God will not be mocked he knows the heart he sees all of it so be honest with yourself and if you find place for this in your heart then fall on your face before the Lord God Almighty and repent and even before that final judgment, there are times in this world where we need to be under God's covering. There are times of judgment that come even before we stand before the great white throne judgment seat of Christ, especially for the sin of pride, because the word says that it will not go unpunished. Pride comes before destruction. Don't be found guilty of it when the destroyer comes knocking. Make sure that you are under the covering of the one who is always victorious. The one who's won the fight already. The one whose blood paid the price for our redemption. The one whose work is from everlasting to everlasting.
the one who is all power, glory, truth, wisdom, and revelation. Make sure that you are humbly submitted to placing your faith in and giving the glory for every victory to Jesus, both in the private praise and thanksgiving of the prayer closet and also in the sight of men. Turn your attention to Jesus and turn others' attention to him, giving him all of the credit in every situation because this one thing is certain that he will not share his glory with another. And all is being recorded, even the intentions of the inward workings of our hearts. So get honest with yourself and pour it out before the Lord while there is still time. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29 tells us this, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory only in the Lord. I give you this warning from my heart today because that I know that a shaking is coming. We all feel it in our spirit. But even without a prophetic word or discernment, we know by his written word that the birth pains are going to draw closer and closer. So the things that we have seen will only intensify until the day of his returning. We know that a shaking is coming because it is written to us in the scripture. Do we believe it? Are we willing to live our lives humbly? working out our own salvation in fear and in trembling as the scriptures tell us, do we take him seriously? In Haggai chapter two, verse seven, he said, I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. My friend, there is an outpouring coming, but it's only going to come through the humble, the meek, the submitted, those that are going to turn people's faith and attention to Jesus. It's going to come through the Moseses, not the Janus and the Jambers, not the counterfeits, not the magicians of Egypt, not those who are seeking attention through performances and attention and vainglory and for men to follow them. The scripture tells us that Moses was the meekest man in all of the earth. He didn't desire the masses. He just desired to follow the Lord. It says that he gave up all of the riches and fame and stages of Egypt and esteemed the sufferings of Christ of far greater value than anything he was leaving. He lived in servanthood to the masses. He was a father to the fatherless. Many times they hated him for it. They tried to kill him. Every time he corrected them, they stood against him. They opposed him. They tried to usurp him. They trusted in their own pride and arrogance and intellect and tried to position themselves continuously. Did God himself have to defend him? But yet he stuck with them. He interceded for them. He prayed. He pleaded. He stood in between and asked for mercy. It's God's desire that we would have a heart to do the same. Oh Lord, let us come before you today and pray. Give us a humble heart 
of submission unto you that seeks nothing else but your glory, Lord, that does not desire to be seen or to be heard, but simply to obey what you say, to be as Jesus and only say what you tell us to say, what we know beyond knowing that you have spoken, what you say in your word, what you tell us to do. And when we do, and it works out right because that it's you moving through us, your plans, your power, your purposes, let us never try to take glory for it like we did something because all we did was walk in obedience. And that's the least we can do. That's not worthy to be praised. Paul said it's our reasonable service. That's expected. He did so much for us. Love would dictate that we don't continue to try to use him, but that we honor him and serve him and give all glory to him. What you give to God, he gives back multiplied. Many want to see the manifest glory of God in their churches, in their nation, and in their generation, but they're not willing to tithe. Now, I'm not talking about money, even though that does apply. That's an issue for another day. But I'm talking about giving the glory that is due him. Are you robbing from God? His worship, the accolades and attention of men that was meant to be given unto him. Because, my friend, that is what Lucifer did. That old serpent, that old Leviathan spirit, the father of the children of pride. In the Old Testament, it tells us that when the priests of God and the singers and all those who were in leadership were sanctified, they came together and them and the people all in one mind and in one accord lifted up a voice to give glory unto God. And then the glory of God came in and filled the whole place with a glory cloud so that the ministers were slain in the spirit. They fell down. They weren't even able to minister. The Lord himself did it. There was 120 of them. It was a foreshadowing of what would happen in the upper room when they all came together in one mind and one accord, crying out to the Lord, seeking his spirit, saying, Lord, you come unto me. They were giving him all the glory for everything that had just happened at Mount Calvary. They were praising and worshiping and asking him to come back in the fullness because Jesus had told them that he would come back, but they didn't know when. They were praying and believing. They didn't have agendas. They weren't trying to build their own kingdom. They were just being a bride that was so anxious and expecting and waiting and crying out for their husband to come for them. And he did. His glory manifested as cloven tongues of fire and rested upon each of them. And everything changed in an instant. Again, my friend, it can happen right now in this moment if we will put aside our self-glorying, our self-promoting, our self-validating, our bickering and fighting, and with one mind and one accord fix our eyes upon the Lord and give glory where glory is due. And then he will pour that glory multiplied back down on you. Because we have to get it in our spirit to understand that it's not about the things we're going to build right now in the flesh. Because none of this is going to last. It's all going to burn. It's going to be gone very shortly. We are in the very last moments of this dispensation of grace. 
Oh God, we are crying right now without agenda for your glory to be poured out. Yet again, that this generation might be left without any doubt that you are the Lamb of God that came and was slain to take away the sins of the world and that you are coming again. But you're not coming again as a lamb. You're coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah with a sword and with judgment. And you're going to pour out your indignation upon the nations that try to steal your glory because you will not be mocked. We're going to see the glory of the Lord, my friend. Make sure that you're on the right side of it because it doesn't only come with blessings. It comes with judgment. He is righteous and just in all that he does. God, I'm not afraid to ask for it, though I am afraid for those who aren't prepared to stand before it. It was because of pride and the desire to steal God's glory that Satan fell and was cast down. It was because of that same pride and lie in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve believed that they could be like God. And it's because of that same lie that men are going to be judged when the power of God steps on the scene very shortly. So Lord, let us humble our hearts before you right now and give you all the glory. It is our heart's deepest desire right now, Lord, and our cry as the bride that all men's attentions would be turned towards you, that their eyes would be fixed on Jesus and that they would know the truth, that all men might believe and receive and worship you as King and Lord of all. Help them to see that you are who you are, that you are a good Lord, and a righteous judge. Let us bow before you and honor you as such. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.